Have you ever been told that you suck at communication? Do you ever feel frustrated because when you do communicate, you aren't sure people really understand you? Today, our topic is healthy communication. I'll teach you all about communication styles and how to get your message across in a more effective way. Welcome to The Happy Wizard. I'm your host, Dr. Shiva Guide. I'm a board-certified and licensed clinical psychologist, a public speaker, and an educator. In this podcast series, I'll be sharing strategies to help you heal from the past, navigate everyday challenges, and create a much more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Dr. G, and I'm excited to talk to you today about strategies for healthy and more effective communication. I can't think of anything more important than learning how to communicate effectively. Communication allows us to bond with other people and it makes us feel connected. And ultimately, it will determine our mental and also our physical health. Research has shown over and over again that people who are more connected to other people are healthier. They have lower rates of anxiety and depression. They're more successful at work. They have stronger, more stable family lives. And since we have tools that are more effective than telepathy or smoke signals, why not use them, right? I also can't really think of a scenario in human life as we know it where you would not ever need to use communication. You know, it's a, it's a basic requirement of survival. And people who have trouble communicating often feel frustrated or misunderstood or not cared for or, you know, any variety of not good feelings. Aside from learning how to communicate the good stuff, like the positive feedback or the fuzzy, warm, huggy, kissy stuff to the people around us, it's really important that we know how to communicate the more serious stuff, you know, things like boundaries or using our voice to advocate for ourselves in a time that maybe we feel invalidated or we just want to elaborate on something or clarify something to someone. And this last point is critical. You know, I hear from an awful lot of people who walk around pissed off, you know, uh, just at people in general, or maybe at someone specific or about something specific that happened. And basically what's going on is that they're angry that the other person isn't reading their mind or doesn't just know what to do. But the pissed off person isn't willing to step up and take responsibility for themselves by using their own voice. They're just going to walk around and be angry. This really happens a lot, and you can probably think of some times in your own life when you've been guilty of doing this. Another thing that I see a lot is people who walk around pissed off because their mind reading about other people and interpreting anything and everything that they hear as a personal insult about them or criticism. Um, this is something that we call overpersonalization, where someone thinks ultimately that they're the target of everybody else's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. You know, it's all about them. Um, in this case, they tend to internalize things that are going on outside of them. So it's like they're giving meaning to unrelated things that are happening around them and then interpreting them as somehow like implying something greater, that some greater thing about their character is flawed. Um, here's an example. Uh, you go to a grocery store and let's say the clerk is not very friendly, seems kind of irritable, right? Your immediate reaction is anger. You think, asshole, bitch, what the fuck is your problem? I didn't do anything. Uh, they shouldn't treat me like this or they shouldn't treat people like that or we're shitting on them, right? 
and you mosey on out of there pissed off that this person would act like that to you because it's all about you, right? Wrong. In fact, it's not about you at all. That person probably had a bad morning. You know, is that okay? Is that allowed? Are we allowed to have a bad morning? Uh, Remember, you know, not everybody's elevator goes to the top floor. People have different levels of coping, different levels of insight, self-awareness, mental health, and we don't get to be pissed off about people just not being where we are, right? They're not us, and that's okay. Here's another example where we expect other people to read our minds and know what our needs and wants are at all times. Let's say that you're in a relationship and you really want your partner to do some specific thing um, that in your mind would indicate they love you, they care about you. So you passively just kind of wait and see what they do, right? Your thought is, uh, well, I mean, they should know they've lived with me for 10 years, Well, seriously, how would they just know? I mean, do you know how many thoughts we all have in a day? And isn't it possible that you've both grown and changed throughout this 10 years? Good God, let's hope so, right? We don't want to remain the same as we were when we were 20 or 30 or whatever. You know, things change, people change. Life and relationships are dynamic. It's just really not reasonable to expect people, even the people closest to us, just know what the right thing to do or say is, you know, we have to communicate it. We have to be willing to say something. And the better our skills are, the more likely we'll actually be communicating things more clearly. So there are some very simple tools that might help you manage situations like these more easily. So, you know, at the end of the day, you have less emotional distress, Remember, we can't expect all the people around us to be understanding and emotionally sophisticated and psychologically minded people. We can't expect everyone else to be healthy and always know the right thing to do or or say to show support to us, you know, Um, especially since if you're walking around and having reactions like this to other people, you're not healthy either, right? But here is what we can control. We can get ourselves healthy, right? In fact, we can get ourselves so healthy that we're no longer affected by how other people think or feel or act. You know, remember, every human being is ultimately responsible for themselves. So learning how to communicate effectively and in ways that are also healthy for us and serve us well, benefit our relationships, it's, it's all a skill. It's a little bit of an art and a little bit of a science. So um, now it's time to nerd out. Let's start with some definitions. So there are different types of communication, but before I even tell you about those, I have to tell you that most of what we communicate is actually nonverbal. You know, research has found that up to 70 to 90% of what we communicate is nonverbal. What I mean by that is body language, facial gestures, the energy you carry, right? The feelings you bring into a room, the space you take up, all of those unspoken things we pick up on when we're around someone. That's really the majority of what we're communicating. Now, in terms of verbal communication, we can think about several different styles or strategies that people use, and most of you are probably very, very familiar with these, or you've heard these words used a lot. Um, And this is a very common way that 
even in our field, we like to conceptualize communication, verbal communication. And we use these categories of passive, aggressive, assertive, and passive aggressive. So I'd like to go through each of these categories separately. I want to make sure that everyone who's listening right now really, truly understands the definition of each, each of these. I, I'll give examples as well. I just, I think there are a lot of misunderstandings sometimes, and people are using these categories um, and these terms inappropriately or, or uh, incorrectly. Um, and certainly there are circumstances in which some of these strategies are recommended, but we're going to talk about that too. So let's define everything first. Um, we're going to start with the least verbal of this, these communication styles. Passive. Passive communication happens when you're not able to use your own voice for whatever reason. You know, maybe you lack confidence. Maybe you tend to put other people's needs first. Maybe you think your ideas aren't important enough to share. Um, Or maybe you just don't like conflict and you figure it's just easier to go with the flow and just go along with the most aggressive person in the room because fighting about it just isn't worth it. You know, whatever the case... Uh, the bottom line is you end up giving in somehow by not advocating for yourself. So you let other people take the reins. If you've been passive for a really long time in your life, uh, my guess is that your self-esteem is pretty low. That behavior of cross- chronic passivity uh, just keeps feeding that belief that we're not important. Um, also, something I like to remind my patients of is that you got to buy it to sell it. And if you don't love yourself, it's like you're walking around wearing a sign on your forehead that says, I'm not lovable. So I really don't expect you to value me because I don't value me, right? Don't expect someone else to value you when you don't even value yourself. Uh, This is ultimately very damaging to relationships too that we have with other people. And it can send you down a downward spiral of self-loathing over time. On the other hand, if you wear a sign that says, I love myself and I'm valuable, then that's literally what other people will read and learn about you. They'll pick up on that. So, you know, the bottom line is nobody can advocate for you or love you better than you. You truly have to lead by example when it comes to things like that. Okay, now let's talk about aggressive. This one probably doesn't need very much explanation. Aggressive communication happens when you're going a little overboard, maybe yelling, talking loudly, or quickly, or in a pressured way, when you're talking over other people, threatening bullying, obviously. Arguments can easily escalate and lead to physical violence or aggression uh, when they start out verbally aggressive. Um, When you're aggressive, you're really only thinking about yourself, right? But in a way that's also lacking in self-awareness about how you're showing up in the room. Um, It's another helpful and really important thing to remember is that, you know, often aggression, and that includes sarcasm, by the way, um, aggression is how anxiety is actually manifesting. So you might actually be feeling panicked, but it's showing up to others as anger. Um, I find in the work that I do, 
Um, interestingly, my super anxious patients tell me all the time that, you know, for example, they're going to work and all the people around them keep asking them why they're so pissed off, but they come in to me and they're, they're like, I swear I'm not pissed off. I wasn't angry. Um, because they're, they're not actually experiencing the emotion of anger. They feel really anxious. It's just coming across that way. But, you know, anyway, regardless of what the source of the anger is, whether you're shooting on yourself and other people or whether you're actually anxious, you know, it's obvious that aggression is just not a particularly helpful communication style. And it can be really damaging to relationships and affect other people in very negative ways. It can truly alienate you from the people around you. And, you know, my guess is that you're not necessarily wanting to impart your pain on the people around you, especially the people you care about. All right. So this brings us to the very common and often talked about popular communication strategy of passive aggressive. And, you know, you've all heard the term and maybe you've even used this strategy. Maybe it's your MO. And if that's the case, then you know, somebody you know has probably told you that you're very passive aggressive. Passive aggressive is basically what it sounds like. You're passive on the front end and you're aggressive on the back end. Um, the aggression is there, but it's indirect or it's covert. So let's say you feel upset about something, but you don't say anything about it. You know, maybe you're expecting someone's going to read your mind or just pick up on your body language. And then later you punish that person in a way that might be totally unrelated to the original thing that upset you. So the punishment or this hidden aggression, uh, it can look a lot of different ways and some ways that you might not think of like being super stubborn or refusing to do something, um, procrastinating about something that somebody has asked you to do, or just refusing to communicate at all and just shutting down. Um, here are some more specific examples of passive aggression. So think about whether you or the people around you have engaged in any of these behaviors, giving someone the silent treatment, which is very painful and very unkind, um, freezing someone out. You are definitely communicating that you're angry, but you're not saying anything about it. So the other person is like totally in the dark and unaware of what's going on. Um, sarcasm also can sometimes be the more underhanded, not so subtle way that you might show the uncommunicated aggression, uh, spreading rumors, you know, sabotaging somebody else's efforts. That's also passive aggressive. Here's a specific example of passive aggression in a relationship. So let's say your partner was supposed to do something this morning, like take out the trash, clean and clean up the kitchen, pick up breakfast, whatever, help out with the kids. And they don't do what you ask them to do for whatever reason. So you don't say anything about it. You just let the day go on and your anger keeps building and building because you've had a lot of negative, angry thoughts swimming around in your head. So now it's nighttime. Your partner initiates sex and you reject them. You say you're too tired. You're not in the mood, but that's not really it. You're pissed off. They didn't clean the dishes. So what was accomplished? Nothing. The dishes are still in the sink. Your partner has no idea how mad you are about it. They just wanted to show you affection and connect with you physically, which has nothing to do with the dishes. And now you want to punish them. But actually you're 
paying the price and missing out on sex because of some dirty dishes. You know, this, this can obviously lead to this downward spiral of mind reading and jumping to conclusions by both you and your partner after the no sex incident. Um, the final and healthiest way to communicate is assertiveness. Assertive communication is not passive and it's not aggressive. It is direct and it is honest. And sometimes it means setting a healthy boundary because, you know, again, people can't read your mind. Um, assertive communication is verbally letting someone know in a neutral, non-emotional way what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what your needs are. And, you know, just a quick note on assertiveness, you know, in some cultures, assertiveness may be seen as aggression, you know, especially in cultures where a certain group of the population, let's say women, are expected, just expected to be very passive. So any voicing of an opinion might be seen as taboo or inappropriate or aggressive. Uh, But in the Western world, I like to think in this country, assertiveness is assertiveness, and it's firm and confident regardless of who the messenger is. Um, but assertiveness, and this is really important to keep in mind, it's also mindful of other people. So we can speak our truth kindly and compassionately, but also honor other people's truths. Assertiveness is about boundary setting. It isn't passive. It isn't aggressive. It's, it's really just drawing a line around yourself and letting someone know what's going on inside of that line. So communicating assertively uses I statements, you know, it's direct, it's open, it's honest. We're sharing a part of ourselves, which also invites the other people around us or the other person to do the same. So, you know, as you can imagine, this is a strategy that really benefits our relationships. Okay, so I'm going to make it super easy for you. Break this down. Here's when you use these strategies, right? This is your go-to guidance. Passive, in life-threatening situations, period. That means like someone pulls out a knife on you and demands your wallet. Uh, Safest thing is probably just to give it to him and hope that he goes away after that, right? I mean, okay, sure, you can also take a very aggressive approach in that situation, but you'd have to make sure that you're fast enough, strong enough to overtake the guy, right? I wouldn't probably choose that option. I would go with the passive route. Aggressive. When do we use that? In life-threatening situations, period. Let's say your kid's playing in the street and a truck is barreling down the street. You yell at the top of your lungs. You grab your kid aggressively from from the street so they don't get killed, right? Totally appropriate. Passive-aggressive. Never, 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 never. There is no circumstance in which we ever need to use passive aggression as our way of communicating. It's not effective, right? And it ends up causing a lot more damage than we're probably banking on. So never, never, never. Assertive. Always. Unless it's a life-threatening situation, right? So pretty simple. Passive and aggressive for life-threatening situations. Assertive, always. Passive-aggressive, never. On a side note, if you have some time, you might want to go back and listen to our podcast on the bucket rules, since those are really fundamental concepts that will help you keep things in perspective. Uh, The bucket rules will help you stay aware of some of the unhealthy and unhelpful habits that you and probably some of the people around you have. Uh, Some of the things that I've mentioned through this podcast, like over-personalizing, internalizing, mind reading, these are all things that are really 
play primary roles in health communication. But if you don't have time, here's a very quick summary for you of the five bucket rules. You don't get to worry about shit that hasn't happened yet. You don't get to worry about shit that's out of your control. So what's in your control? Only you, specifically, your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. Um, These three things live in your bucket, and we each have a bucket of our own. So focus on your bucket, and if it's not in your bucket, fuck it. And in trying to manage your own thought processing better, which will in turn help you manage your emotions and your reactions to other people, remember a few more things. No shooting on other people and no shooting on yourself and no masturbating. That means there's no musts, no need tos, and no have tos. These words and ideas tend to make us feel pressured and set us up for expectations and disappointment. However, you can wish, want, hope, and would like all you want instead of shooting and masturbating. Finally, rule number five, fuck feelings. If it's healthy, do it anyway. Again, take the time to go back and listen to the more complete description of the rules. I don't want anyone to misunderstand or misinterpret the bucket rules. Um, And that's there in our podcast link for you. Learning to communicate in healthy ways is a skill. And it requires you to use some tools, some rules. And it requires you to practice a lot of critical thinking. I'd like to share an example of a challenging interaction that might hit close to home for some of you who've experienced mental illness and feel like the people around you might not totally understand. After the massacre in Las Vegas in October of 2017, uh, there were a ton of people who were communicating to me that they were experiencing interactions like this. And again, maybe you've experienced this in some form or another yourself uh, related to a different trauma or crisis event that you've been through. You're talking to someone and they ask you how you're doing, you know, and maybe the stars have aligned and you just feel like being honest for a change. And maybe you know this person. And so you say something like, you know, not great. Things have been really rough. I'm struggling. And now the other person seems surprised and maybe they say something like, really? Why? What's going on? And at this point, you probably feel shocked because this person that's close enough to you that you just, you know, that they know you just survived a massacre or maybe you were just raped a few months ago or you just got out of a domestic violence relationship. You know, in your mind, obviously you're struggling. And so you're kind of confused about why this other person isn't connecting the dots, right? So, you know, you're going to try again and you say something like, you know, well, I just, you know, I, I just, can't stop thinking about what happened. I'm still having nightmares. You know, I'm feeling really emotional about it. I feel triggered all the time, right? And now you're just confident that they're going to be on board and show some compassion or comfort to you in some way, you know, or at least validate you, right? But they don't. Instead, they say something like, wow, you're still feeling that way? That happened a while ago, didn't it? I thought things would be back on track. You'd be back to normal now. Just don't think about it. Okay. To some of my listeners, I don't want to be a mind reader, but my guess is that your blood pressure is rising right now listening to this example because you've experienced this in some variation at some point in your life. Also, please take pause, take a long, slow breath, and let's break this down. This is the critical point in this interaction before you react where it's really important to recognize that you do have a choice. 
You can overpersonalize the other person's comments and you can feel insulted or minimized or invalidated. Or here's the alternative. You can recognize that you have no control over their three things that live in their bucket, right? Free will and autonomy. People are allowed to think, feel, and act however they choose. And any comments, however you might judge them, that are made by another person are really only an indication of their level of health, their thought processing and sensitivity and compassion levels, right? The other person's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors actually have nothing to do with you at all. You're literally just a bystander, an observer of their comments uh, about any given topic in conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a really sensitive topic and you might be hypersensitive to it, but that's your bucket, not theirs. So in a moment that someone else makes a comment that you don't appreciate, you can choose to react in anger, right? Which is really sadness and fear, or you can choose to feel compassion for this person. I mean, you know, think about it. This person is making comments like that to you. Imagine how the rest of their life is. You know, if they're that insensitive or emotionally constipated or lacking in compassion towards you, just imagine for a moment what the quality of their relationships with other people might be. You know, it is quite possible that they're pretty lonely and disconnected from other people under the surface. And imagine for a minute what that might be like. You know, imagine what might have happened in this person's life to cause that level of emotional disconnect, you know, or that abrasive, unkind response, you know, that tells you something about what that person might have experienced in their own life. Now, once you've considered all these possibilities, you know, do you really want to need, want or need to react in anger? You know, are you still angry even? You know, maybe I know I'm pushing the envelope here. You might even feel sad for them. Okay. So what are our options in terms of how we might respond in a situation like this, right? Here's what you really want to say, right? It's the reaction. Fuck you. I can't believe you're so insensitive. You're an asshole, right? That's, that's what we're saying in our head and sometimes in real life. But here is the much healthier option, right? To say something like, yeah, well, actually, you know, I'm not the only person still having trouble There are many of us still struggling, you know, it's still pretty fresh and it was a pretty horrific situation. Wouldn't wish it on anybody, you know, it impacts your mind and your body. And I'm, I'm still working through things. I'm doing the best I can. So by not letting the emotional noise color your response, you're, you're able to actually communicate honestly and openly and, and even potentially educate this person, right? More importantly, you're kind of setting an invisible firm boundary by being honest and calm on your end. You know, you're taking full responsibility for yourself. You're advocating for yourself by communicating assertively. By default, the interesting thing is that this type of authentic communication actually forces other people to be accountable for themselves. You know, and if you even wanted to to take this conversation further and maybe find some meaning in it, interestingly, by default, this type of authentic communication actually forces other people to be accountable for themselves. So if you wanted to take this conversation even further and maybe find some deeper meaning in it, which might help you also foster compassion for this other person, you could ask a follow-up question. 
And this might allow you to understand where they're coming from, you know, rather than mind reading or jumping to conclusions and judging them. I mean, that's easy. That's effortless. Unfortunately, that's our default for most, most of us. So you could even follow up with a question like, hey, so just out of curiosity, you know, why would you think that someone would be over it or back to normal only a few months after that traumatic event? And why not ask, you know, aren't you curious about what kind of beliefs or prior experiences this person has had that would possibly lead them to have their perspective? You know, the bottom line is if you're willing to consider other possibilities and generate alternatives in ways that you choose to respond to the people around you, then you're going to end up feeling a lot happier and healthier. And as it turns out, your relationships will be much healthier too. Remember, these are skills, so you have to practice them. Practice makes permanent. The more you use these tools, the more they become second nature. Communicating assertively and authentically is the most compassionate way to attend to yourself and the people around you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've learned at least one new thing that you can practice this week. Please feel free to share feedback and submit ideas for future topics at happywizardpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, stay safe and healthy until we meet again.